Today, every answer matters more than ever before. Because whether it's about health, deliveries, or finance, some things just can't wait. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage millions of calls, texts, and chats with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to help your customers find the answers they need faster, no matter the industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash watsonassistant to learn more. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends, I'm just trying to make you some money. Because my job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. What can I say? We ran the gauntlet. This is a market where the main thing you have to fear is fear itself. Because eventually the positives prevail and we rock it higher. Hence why the Dow roared 441 points today, S&P shot up 1.7%, and the NASDAQ pole vaulted 1.79%. Think about it. All week, this market was haunted by the specter of this across-the-board tariffs on steel and aluminum. People were terrified. We heard endless chatter about trade wars and then instant retaliation that would cause our economy to collapse like a house of cards. But if you sold stocks when everyone was panicking on Monday, you made a big mistake. The fears turned out to be overblown. First, we heard about a carve-out from Mexico and Canada with these tariffs. Stocks soared as people realized the world wasn't ending. Oh, and for the record, I have to tell you, I called that, and I also said that the president would be more flexible, and I'm proud about the fact that I predicted this. And I told you, please don't freak out, and please don't freak out ahead of time. So many commentators have a tendency to get hysterical whenever something scares them, even a little. They're always acting like it is the end of the world. And I think someone needs to remind you that good things can and do happen. In recent decades, the only time the Western financial world came close to ending was during the financial crisis. But in every other scenario, the chicken littles were wrong. Their fear hurt you. They scared you out of your stocks. We've had dozens of these end-of-the-world moments where the world didn't actually end, which is why I'm so adamant that you treat sell-offs as buying opportunities. It worked in February, and it worked again earlier this week when the situation looked so grim, and yet everything ultimately worked out, didn't it? Think about that. After the big rebound on Wednesday, the averages couldn't punch through through to new levels because we still hadn't made it through the gauntlet. Everyone was worried about today, specifically the Labor Department's big non-farm payroll report that I have written in Get Rich Carefully is really perhaps the most important report of all. See, last month we got hit with a huge sell-off thanks to just a tiny bit, wee bit of wage inflation. People were frightened that could repeat itself. Instead, we got a gigantic hiring number without an intended blast of inflation. It didn't happen. And now we've reached the end of the gauntlet. In short, we're back in Goldilocks land, where we have tons of growth but little inflation. That's what the stock market wants. And once again, despite the endlessly negative news coverage, the reality is that good things can happen too. And when they do, we get terrific days like today. Days that you have to be in, or you miss the big performance. So with that in mind, let's go to the game plan for next week, where we'll be coming at you from San Francisco. 
talking to the hottest names in tech. The Invest in America, defining the future. Flight is back on. Okay, on Monday, oh boy, this is a real issue. When it's Equifax, and they hold an analyst meeting. Remember the big Equifax hack a few months ago? There was a time when nearly everybody felt this company's reputation would be permanently tarnished. But it turns out people have short memories. The stock was at $142 before the data breach. It went all the way down to the 90s. And I wouldn't be surprised if it can get back all the way to where it was from 125 where it is right now. If the company talks about a steady business, boy, there's forgiveness, isn't there? Look, that may sound may not sound fair to you, right? After that big hack, but it's the world we live in. Established players rarely, rarely, rarely go down and stay down unless the government shuts them down. With Equifax, the government did next to nothing, as the late Jackie Gleason always said. And away we go. Tuesday, we hear from Dick Sporting Goods, and boy, this will tell us a lot about how its major suppliers like Nike and Under Armour. Remember Kevin Plank was on? Under Armour, big, big, big supplier to Dick's. Now, we could also get a sense of how Newell's troubled sporting goods business is faring. They have a lot of fishing and camping products. Newell's had a rough time of late, in part because the Toys R Us bankruptcy hurts them. That's where they sell a lot of baby car seats and strollers. So we could get a lot of color from Dick's about how a lot of industries are doing. Plus, Dick's just stopped selling assault-style uh, rifles. I wonder if that's going to have an impact on their earnings. They'll tell us, at least give us a preview. HG Supply reports, too, and this industrial distributor will give us a read on literally tens of thousands of businesses because they have that many clients. We know housing is slowing. We talked yesterday about autos peaking. But how about the day-to-day businesses that make up the backbone of our economy? Well, I have found HD to give you a fantastic read. Wednesday morning, we hear from Signet, the struggling jeweler that you may know as Kay or Zales or Jared. This thing has been a mess, battered by revelations about allegedly rampant sexual harassment, as well as the fact that Signet's really, a lot of people think, more of a finance company than a jeweler. They brought in a new management team, though, to clean up the place. So far, we haven't seen even the barest glimmer of a financial turn. Accessories are selling well in America, though. And if Signet can remember it's in the jewelry business, it may finally be ready to rebound. I still think it's early, though. I wouldn't make the bet. Hey, speaking of stuck in neutral, I wonder if Williams-Sonoma will break out when it reports Wednesday night. Wouldn't shock me. Housewares have been selling incredibly strong at all the companies that I follow. Now, here's one that's a quandary. Can Dollar General put some distance between itself and what has got to be the faltering Dollar Tree after I read through that quarter? They posted a subpar number with guidance that led to a gigantic decline. Now, I actually have more conviction in Dollar General at this point when we hear from them. I I, I just think it's doing better. Uh, The stock has come down a lot in sympathy. And I've got to tell you, I don't see the upside, but I don't see the kind of downside that that, uh, Dollar Tree had. If its stock comes down before Thursday, we're going to take another look again. Now, after the close, we get results from one of the most enticing companies on Earth, and that is Adobe. And I bet it gives us a super quarter. This company is ground zero for e-commerce, and everybody knows e-commerce is growing like a weed. Have you seen the chart? Have you seen the stock, what it's done? It's been nonstop, nonstop. Chanson and Ryan, what a remarkable CEO. Now, as hot as Adobe is, Ulta's been ice cold. Yet the beauty chain had such amazing numbers for so long that, you know what, it's pretty good numbers of late. Good for every other, every other company, but Ulta just pretty good. Well, they aren't enough to get investors excited. Many worry that the Amazon Death Star is now hurting Ulta. 
Even if Amazon doesn't do any damage, though, some people will assume it's inevitable. Amazon hasn't hurt them yet. But I've got to tell you, it's an excuse to dump the stock. And maybe next quarter they will. So be careful. And what I say is if you want cosmetics, I urge you to buy Estee Lauder, okay? That is a great company. Broadcom reports, too. This company has been pursuing Qualcomm with everything it has. Broadcom pre-announced a good quarter, but I think it best that. It might not matter, though, because the takeover fight has put a lid on the stock, but not a floor. I like to think Broadcom shareholders can win either way. And there is a Wall Street Journal report tonight that Intel is even considering a bid for Broadcom. For Broadcom. I, myself... I'm not sure of that Intel story, as I believe the only way Intel could go after Broadcom is to go hostile. That has not been Intel's way. No matter. I just wish the Qualcomm-Broadcom brawl would be over with and we could start talking about the fundamentals again. Friday, we hear from Tiffany. I think this could be a terrific quarter. Tiffany benefits from the weak dollar. A lot of people overseas, right? They come to Manhattan. They spend at Tiffany's. Two things that we have... In abundance here, okay? Uh, the uh, Manhattan store is going to be big, and that weak dollar. Ooh, I like this idea. Okay, Tiffany seems tempting, uh, especially that it's because it's still down a tad for the year. Finally, we get an incredibly important analyst meeting from United Technologies, and I bet every single business lighting is putting up amazing numbers, from climate controls to Otis elevators to aviation. Activists are circling, begging for a breakup. I think CEO Greg Hayes will be forthright about whether he, too, believes a breakup will be a good way to unlock shareholder value or whether they should just stay the course because, boy, it's been a horse. So here's the bottom line. Let's finally stop indulging the chicken little people, okay? Just follow the fundamentals and use any weakness in these high-quality stocks as buying opportunities because you believe in their long-term prospects. Please don't let all the big-picture doomsayers freak you out. Remember this. It's been a mistake to panic nearly every time. Let's go to Phil in Pennsylvania. Phil! Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Phil from Allentown, PA. All right. Yeah, right near where I used to live. What's going on? I've held Celgene for years, but they can't seem to get out of their way. Uh, sell it or stick with it. Um, I think we're getting a rally for a couple of days in the drug stocks. I've seen some of the uh, lesser performing drug stocks doing well. Let's uh, let's look, think about Monday, uh, maybe Tuesday, Wednesday, because that group has gotten hot. But I can't uh, endorse Celgene anymore. They paid a lot for an acquisition that doesn't seem to be working. Let's go to Margo in California, please. Margo. Hey, Jim. Do you ever feel like the stock market is one big soap opera? Well, I mean, sometimes it can be novelistic, but in the end, it's kind of empirical. Uh, but go ahead. Tell me what you mean. Yeah. So my problem is I have too much stock in Venator Materials, which I bought for its lucrative titanium dioxide business. Right. So the, the new drama, Jim, is the mother of all fires occurred in their Finland manufacturing facility. Uh, unfortunately, the cost to rebuild exceeds the limit of their insurance policy by over $325 million for this $2.2 billion company. Uh, so I have two questions. One is, will they survive this disaster? And two, um, I'm an Action Alerts member and okay. wonder if it would be wise to sell off any portion at a loss to use um, the buy I more. don't like that industry. At one point, I owned 5% of a company that made uh, artificial TII2, and it was so, so, so cyclical, I couldn't take the run. You know, if you're an AA Plus club member, then you know I like Dow DuPont. That is a better company. I'd make the swap. Let's go to John in New York, please. John. 
What's up, Jim? How you doing? Booyah. Uh, booyah, man. I'm getting ready to go to, go to the coast tonight. What's happening? Nice. Uh, first, I want to say huge mad money guy. Thank you. No problem. So uh, I picked up CRISPR Therapeutics back in September and I uh, added to the position when I saw Bayer buy some from Celgene. Um, just crushed earnings. I uh, wanted to know what you think. Add some more or? Uh, no, no. We, you know, look, I, we just had the run of all times in that stock. If I were you, I would t- take a little off. As a matter of fact, you've had such a good move in that. But wow, congratulations on a really good call by you. Not by me, by you. Right, don't sweat the chicken little stuff. I want you to focus on the fundamentals and use any weakness to do some buying next week, okay? Promise me that you won't panic. There were so many people who, I mean, I remember the trade war, trade war. All right, on Man Money tonight, clean up in aisle six. Kroger stock dropped yesterday after reporting earnings. Oh, man, with the stock heading higher today, is it worth browsing? But could it be continued to be a victim of the scourge of the supermarket? Then I'm focusing on the artist formerly known as Taser. How is the company of Axon performing after its name change? I'll let you know what to make of the stock, and it's exciting. And a company with an over 100% gain over the past year, and it may not be done, and you've probably never heard of it. So stick with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Every market makes mistakes, and as much as I've focused on excessive negativity, the truth is that it's far too easy to let yourself become too positive, too. Look at the stock of Kroger. What the heck was this supermarket stock doing at $31 at the end of January? How could it have rallied from 21 at the end of October, almost in a straight line on no news? These are the questions you need to ask yourself after yesterday's dispiriting Kroger conference call, one that caused the stock to plunge from 26 to 23 after already slipping two bucks the day before. It was a brutal ride down, especially since the stock had been rallying on next to nothing in that 10-point run. But Kroger's problems didn't go away. In fact, its problems intensified. The company's already razor-thin supermarket margins fell 31 basis points, with management indicating that it could get worse before it could get better. Oh, that supermarket business is tough. Worst of all was when the CEO, Rodney McMullen, said, and I quote, we're not going to lose on price, end quote. That's the last thing you ever want to hear. When the supermarket starts to compete on price, you get ruinous competition, and everyone in the industry loses. Now, for the longest time, Kroger seemed to have the run of the joint. The costs were under control. His private label business was taking share. It was the best managed supermarket, period. End of story. But for the second time in 10 months, the whole edifice came crashing down. And I think this time the analysts had pretty much had it with Kroger's promises and what amounts to a bizarre, almost faith-based investing in the stock. Or to give you the line uttered by CFO John Michael Slotman, and I quote, our financial results continue to be pressured by inefficient health care and pension costs and some of our competitors do not face. Wow, some of their competitors do not face. Well, let's think about that. 
Yeah, that tends to happen when Amazon moves into your industry and you need to spend a fortune retooling your stores so customers can buy online and pick up in person or get everything delivered. It doesn't help that Kroger's got one of the most heavily unionized workforces in the group. Don't get me wrong. I love organized labor. been there myself. If I worked at Kroger, I'd join the union. But the plain truth is that a unionized workforce is bad for shareholders. After all that, you know, that's kind of the point. Back to Kroger. For the life of me, I can't understand why anyone thought this chain could thrive with the entrance not just of Amazon Whole Foods, okay, but a a, a pair of two German cut-rate grocers, Lidl and Aldi, into the U.S. market. And, of course, there's the standard competition for the likes of Costco, which has a huge grocery business, Walmart, which is the biggest grocer in the country, and Target. I don't know how anyone convinced themselves that Kroger's margins would be able to improve in that environment, but they did. Now, a lot of analysts and investors seemed genuinely caught off guard when they saw these numbers. I was stunned by what I regard as open rebellion on that margins on the conference call. But I got to ask, what the heck did the people who follow Kroger for a living think would happen? Amazon would start competing with them and their margins would go up? When does that ever happen in any industry? Walmart? Yeah, they're no slouch, let me tell you. Why do I call it faith-based investing? Because the conference call was so upbeat that you have thought Kroger was in great shape. It was kind of the Baghdad Bob of conference calls. That's the only explanation I have for the sign-off by McMullen at the end of the call when everyone was so down and angry. And I quote, with St. Patrick's Day and a pretty big basketball tournament right around the corner, March is always fun and a fabulous celebration time of the year. He went on to say, we have to uplift our customers and each other every day and to help our customers have great celebrations, great parties, and a great experience in our stores and through our digital experience, end quote. A great experience per share, a March fund per share. Uh, you think these analysts give a darn about that? You think they're wondering about March madness? I'll tell you what they're wondering about. McMullen madness. As in, is this really how Kroger plans to compete in the new world of vicious, cheap competitors, including Amazon? Because if that's the extent of the plan, then I say give me another stock right now before the tourney begins. Just brutal. After Kroger's quarter, you need to treat the supermarkets with caution, if not outright fear. It's just too tough to compete in this business right now. I'd rather bet on Cincinnati's own Xavier in the NCAA. Take them to go deep in the tourney than wager on Kroger. If I want ruinous competition, I'll check out the bracketology this weekend. But the stock of the Cincinnati grocery giant? Hard pass. Much more mad money ahead, including the shares of Axon, you may not know it, are up 50% year-to-date, or for new tools to help law enforcement keep an eye on crime. Could it give your portfolio a jolt? I'm investigating. Then, it's a company challenging some of the big-name telecoms like ATT, Verizon, Century. Can David beat Goliath? I'm going to sit down with the CEO of GTT Communications to find out. And with the semiconductor space taking off, I'm eyeing a periphery play in the space to see if you get a chance to get into the red-hot sector. I'll reveal the name when I turn it to his homework. So stick with Kramer. We spend so much time focusing on the big picture, whether it's the tariffs, the Labor Department's employment report, bond yields. 
that we run the risk of missing out on phenomenal opportunities in the stocks of individual companies just because they don't happen to fit into the broader narrative. That's why I like to highlight terrific stocks. They'll be getting the attention they deserve. It's one of the favorite things that we do on Mad Money. So let's talk about one that I cannot believe is so on fire. Let's talk about the amazing move in Axon Enterprises. And the symbol here is AAXN. You think you've never heard of this one, don't you? AAXN for you home gamers. It soared into the stratosphere last week, flying up 28% the day after it reported a blowout quarter. Never heard of it? Well, that's because Axon is the law enforcement technology artist, formerly known as Taser. So how does a stock like Axon, nay, Taser, rally 28% in a single session and then tackle on another 14% over the next week? How could Wall Street have underestimated this company so dramatically? All right, 11 months ago, Taser decided to change its name, and in retrospect, that was a brilliant piece of foreshadowing. For most of its existence, this company was synonymous with what used to be its biggest product, stun guns. Taser is to the stun gun as Kleenex is to tissue paper. But years ago, the company started expanding into a new area, evidence capture technology. Think audio recorders and body cameras backed up by evidence management software and computer vision technology, all of which is designed to help law enforcement operate more efficiently and with more accountability. Recently, the side of the business has been exploding, hence the name change. Uh, They just shouldn't call it Taser anymore because Axon is the video brand. And last year, management realized that going forward, their business would be about the video brand, much more important than just selling individual stun guns. More than that, the company announced a bold new strategy. They were going to shift their focus from hardware to software. In fact, last April, Axon told us it was going to give away free body cameras to every police force in America that wants them which may sound like an act of charity. And by the way, many people were critical of this. People thought it was not going to be a good business model. But you know what? They're really just embracing that razor, razor blade business model we like so much on the show. Because once you're using Axon's hardware, you need their software to make it work. The company basically traded its lumpy hardware sales. They missed some quarters here and there. For higher margin, recurring subscription revenue from the software side with a much smoother trajectory. That was a bold move. But for most of the last year, Wall Street had no idea what to make of the story. Could the taser of old really transform itself into something totally new, hardware to software? Very rarely done. Until last week, it seemed that the verdict was still out. Axon stock was at $21.90 the last time we had founder and CEO Rick Smith on. Uh, That was back in April 2017, right when he made the big announcement. And it stayed stuck in the low to mid-20s for months. Then last week, everything changed. Axon delivered a stunning fourth quarter, and suddenly Wall Street recognized that this transformation needs to be taken seriously. All right, not to toot my own horn, but I haven't been a believer in the whole time in this, in the transformation. And uh, you've caught about an 82% gain since the interview where I said, holy cow, I see what's happening. It's becoming like a cloud company. So let me break it down for you because I think the whole story is still amazing. First of all, you need to understand that Axon didn't suddenly become a much better business overnight. The company has been in the process of transforming itself for quite some time. Management was totally open about the process all the way. It's just that many investors didn't believe them, and others had no idea any of this was happening. For most of its existence, the old Taser was a play on non-lethal weapons. Every few years, they'd come out with a new model, and sales would surge. But in general, the business was choppy. Win some contracts, lose some contracts. 
Some years were really good, others were not so good. Then Taser started selling its standalone body camera product back in 2009, but it didn't really catch on until all sorts of tragic officer-involved shootings started, and they started showing up on YouTube videos. While this is a polarizing issue, body cameras are the one thing both sides seem to agree on. And the data backs this up. Do the police departments with body cameras get fewer excessive force complaints and fewer lawsuits? No wonder the growth here has just exploded. In 2011, the software and sensor segment made up 4% of the company's sales. 2016, 25%. Fast forward to last April. Rick Smith announced a new initiative to give away the Axon's body camera to every police officer in America. Again, I know, marketing gimmick. Give them the cameras and they'll need to use Axon software to process and analyze video. However, for the first three quarters of 2017, it was really hard to detect this transformation in the numbers. And many analysts started to fret that they were giving away so much of the hardware that they were giving away the profits. Those doubts were put to rest when Axon reported a week and a half ago. The company earned 13 cents a share. Okay, you know what Wall Street was looking for a loss? A three-cent loss. Its sales came in higher than anticipated. Best of all, management gave terrific guidance, forecasting 16 to 18% revenue growth for 2018, substantially better than what the analysts were looking for. Remember, the big worry here, it was that Axon's big free trial program was weighing too heavily on the company's profitability. Clearly, that's not a problem here. Uh, not with Axon delivering a surprise profit and earnings uh, for, uh, that was really fabulous for 2018. Honestly, though, the most bullish thing about this quarter, this one blew me away. It was about Rick Smith's new compensation package. Listen to this. Smith's not getting a salary or a cash bonus or stock options that vest automatically like so many of the CEOs that you think are just being piggish. No, he's getting a performance award where his options will not vest unless he hits specific targets tied to Axon's market capitalization, as well as its revenue and profitability. The first threshold is a six-month average market cap of $2.5 billion. Right now, Axon's worth just about over $2 billion. But the six-month average is a lot lower. For each of the remaining milestones, Smith needs to grow the company's market cap by another billion dollars. In short, if the CEO creates actual shareholder value for you, the shareholder, okay, for you, he will be richly rewarded. But if he fails to create shareholder value, he he gets next to nothing. Don't you wish more companies were like this? Now, the stock has gotten pretty expensive at these levels, I'll have to admit. At least that's how it looks. Axon trades at nearly 100 times this year's earnings estimates. However, given its growth rate, and how reliable it's going to be. You look out to the 2020 numbers, it's selling for just 29 times earnings. I wouldn't be surprised if they beat the numbers and the stock ends up seeming cheap in retrospect. Here's the bottom line of this incredibly exciting story. Axon Enterprise, the company formerly known as Taser, has seen its stock run up from 27 to nearly 40 in less than two weeks' time. But remember, that's because the numbers have only just begun to validate management's new strategy, the focus on selling software and, more importantly, subscriptions for their evidence capture business. I like this company very much, and I would adore the stock on any kind of pullback from these levels. I can't tell you to pull the trigger right here, though, because I hate to chase. But if Axon gets slammed the next week, we have a market-wide sell-off, its stock definitely belongs on your shopping list. Let's go to Mason in California. Mason! Booyah, Jimbo! I love you, man. How you doing today? Oh, man, I am doing great because i got some of your energy. What's happening? I love it. I love it. All right, we're talking defense stock. How are these steel tariffs going to affect Raytheon and things like that? All right, well, there are a lot of people who feel that Raytheon is going to be fine on the tariffs, but bad on a peace treaty with North Korea. 
That's why the defense stocks didn't do well. I think, I think that if you parse what the president's saying, he's saying if you're a good citizen to us, we will give you an exemption. What's a good citizen do? Any country that buys Raytheon Patriot missiles is going to be doing the right thing. Buy Raytheon. My charitable trust, club members know, owns it. Let's go to Stephen in Florida. Stephen! Booyah, Professor Kramer. I've got a question about a cybersecurity company. OKTA is the symbol, and I've recently purchased it. And I'm just curious if this company has legs because I am a long-term holder. Well, if you're a long-term holder, you're fine. I mean, the problem is, is that it just... It's just been a rocket ship, and it doesn't make money. And, you know, we have things like Proofpoint that is so good, and Palo Alto Networks, and Cisco's got a great security business. So those are all I find superior, but you've got a long-term view. But remember, you are in a bit of a speculative story. All right, in the midst of all the big events happening, winning stocks are getting lost in the shuffle, and we're not going to let that happen in America. Case in point, Axon, A-X-O-N Enterprise. It's been a beast. All right, maybe don't chase it, but a pullback. Bye, bye, bye! There's much more mad money ahead, including my exclusive with a company that just announced a whopping $2.3 billion acquisition. And you may have missed it, so do not miss my exclusive with some that a lot of people want to hear about. It's called GTT Communications. Then good news, if the dog ate your homework, I did it for you. And it could make you some money on all your calls. Rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round! And a look back at the week that was. So stick with... Kramer. Monday, kick off the trading day was Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. Now I'm going right now. 18, 1800, 1800. Do you have 1850? Do you have 1850? We got 1850. Okay, check to the left. I got 1850. How about 19? How about 19? I mean, this is an absurd game. We can keep raising price targets all we want. It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. How long can a smoking hot stock just keep surging higher, including today? Take GCT Communications. That's a broadband provider with a twist. GCT gives its clients dedicated private lines, allowing businesses to connect directly to their data centers without going through the public Internet, which is slower, far less secure. If you're embracing the cloud, maybe you need a private network. GCT is one of the few companies with a scale, I mean huge scale now, to provide truly global service. What sets them apart, though, is their business model. GCT doesn't spend fortunes laying uh, miles and miles of Optic cable. They actually lease a lot of their network from other service providers. And this low-cost model, asset light, has allowed the company to expand like crazy. They've been gobbling up the competition left and right, which is how this stock has rallied. Get this, over 1,500% over the last five years. You heard that right. Not to mention giving us 114% gain since we discovered it in December 2016. The growth has been explosive, and that's why the stock has been such a huge winner. But how long can they keep it up? In late February, we learned that GTT is shelling out $2.3 billion to acquire, acquire Interroot, one of the biggest independent fiber and cloud networking companies in Europe. It's a lot of money for a company of the size. But then again, betting against these guys has been a very big mistake at every step of the way. So let's check in with a very exciting team. Go to Rick Calder. He's the CEO of GTT Communications. Get a better sense of his company story and where it might be headed. Mr. Calder, welcome to Mad Money. Good to see you, sir. Jim, great to have thank you. you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Have a thank seat. You. Well, you've been one of the... Uh, Really one of the great stories of uh, great growth stories of this era. And it's your first time on. So I want you to kind of just walk people through why companies like a Royal Bank of Canada or a Tenant Health need GTT. Well, I, let me start by, Jim. You, you did a little segment about us in December 
of 16 and said we were the best performing stock no one has ever heard of. <laughs> and we were at 27 then. We're at 58 today. Oh, so right. appreciate you, that. This is, uh, you know, look, you're, we, we love growth on, on this show because growth brings ultimately great profits. But what we like for you is, is that we like your trajectory. You keep buying to be owning the space, which is what we want. Well, we're, we're about a $2 billion company right. now, pro forma for Interroot, the acquisition you mentioned. We play in a market that's three or four hundred billion. We think we have less than one percent share that's populated by a set of incumbents that are distracted, that are focused on mobile, on content. ATT is going to fight with the Justice Department right, to right. buy Time Warner right. Media. We think it's a tremendous market opportunity where our growth over the past five years has been 50 percent per annum. We think we can grow faster over the next five years. So give me the value proposition. I am Royal Bank of Canada, and uh, you just mentioned some companies are big, and uh, I might just say, you know what, i got to go with ATT. I, uh, ATT is uh, huge. And, and someone in the boardroom says, GTT, faster, better, simpler, speed, agility. Well, it's, it's a simple value. We, we connect people across organizations around the world to the cloud. Right. We talk about the cloud. The cloud is a tremendous asset. Most networks today were built when the cloud didn't exist. Right. If you're an AT&T or Verizon, you built a network that's purely private. If you want to get to the cloud, it was through a back door in the back of your network. Right. Our network is built around the cloud. We tell organizations around the globe, Royal Bank of Canada, you want to get to the cloud, we'll have diverse, secure connectivity to every one of your locations to take you instantly to any internet address, to any cloud service provider, to any one of your other office locations with simplicity, speed, and agility. Okay, now, this acquisition in a route, when I did the work on it, I, I think it's disruptive, but I also noticed they've got some churn issues. They haven't been growing. How can you make it so that they are a better company? Well, we, we've bought a, a whole series of companies over the years that mm -hmm. weren't growing. In aggregate, we've been able to combine them on our platform and grow at that 50% per annum rate. We see the same thing with Interroot. Just a little story about Interroot, too. Sure. The CEO, Gareth Williams, came to see me in September of, uh, of last year just because I didn't know the business was coming onto the market, just to say, let me have breakfast with you to understand the power of putting these two businesses together. We met for four hours. We had to order lunch because it was such a compelling combination, and he's right. It was a very contested auction. We're sure we we're going to win, and we we're just so ecstatic about that fantastic combination of being the disruptor to take it to ATT, Verizon, BT in the market. Okay, now Oppenheimer wrote a piece, and they recommend you. They're saying, listen, here's a concern. GCT needs to increase its sales force to 250 representatives, and in 2007, they had only 165 at the end of the year, uh, in order to be able to achieve the organic double-digit revenue growth. Uh, is that really a gating factor? You need more salespeople? I, I mean, it, it, we've actually had the high-quality problem of outpacing the size and scope of our sales force. We are trying to hire people as fast as we possibly right. can. I was in our New York office at one pen. We've expanded it twice. We're going to expand it again. We have our competitors from two and three floors above us saying, we want to come into GTT. We think this is the attractive banner to be part of at this stage. And we think we can grow our, our sales force to 250 and beyond over the next six to eight months. Okay, where are we in, in uh, the adoption of the cloud? Because I think that in the last three weeks, we've been starting to realize that we're much earlier than we thought. It, I mean, it's clearly early. But... IT organizations, CIOs are beset by a core challenge. They're saying, I want to take my IT ops out of my office and move them to Amazon, to Azure, to right, Google right. Cloud, to SAP, to Oracle. What they're saying is, I need bigger pipes. 
Right. My, the bandwidth into my office is not big enough. It has to be secure. It has to be diverse. I need someone who understands how to get multiple access lines into each and every one of my offices. That's what we do. And we do it significantly better than the incumbent telcos. And we think we have a tremendous opportunity to take their share. Now, uh, some people told me, you know what? Look, they're not making any money. I come back and say they're going for the growth. How do you, but how do you deal with the idea when someone says, ah, you know what? When they start making money, give me a call. Well, we're not making net income, but we are making cash flow. Right. We're on incredibly cash flow business. One of the, the core reasons why we do acquisitions and we take charges associated with those, but we are a cash flow machine. One of the interesting things about our model is we're CapEx light. We haven't built all of the access. We rent them from the players who have every single one. We trade with 2,000 vendors around the globe, and it leads our, our business to spend 5% on CapEx, not 15 to 30. Right. And, and if you're an investor, you look at our business and say, oh my goodness, what a cash flow. Yeah, it is great cash flow. I'm glad you pointed that out because a lot of people, if you wait for the actual earnings, you miss the story. A lot of the telcos only had cash flow. Comcast only had cash flow at the beginning before they started making a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Okay, that is Rick Calder, GTC Communications, president and CEO. And I've got to tell you, this is one of the great growth companies that hit us. And it's not, it's not late. It's still early. We have money's back after the break. And then the light round is over. Are you ready? Skate down. Over the light round. Let's start with Brian in Florida. Brian. Hey, Jim. A big poker a ton. Booyah to you. Nice to have you on the show. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Um, I own Apache in my Roth IRA. Over 50 bucks a share. No point in realizing a loss. No, no gain from that. What do I do? Uh, I screwed up on Apache. I thought that they had more oil and less natural gas. It was my bad. It was a channel trust pick. And uh, I suggest that you do not hold on to the stock either way. There are a lot better ways to be in the oil patch. Let's go to Paul in California. Paul. Hi, Kramer. This is Paul from California. Yeah. Thank you for taking my call. You're quite welcome. Hey, tell me, Kramer. Just got in a few days ago to Lurian. Well, I'm they made sure it out. You know, they're getting involved in buying more properties. My problem with Tulliar it is pure spec. As long as you know it's pure spec and it's Sharif, then I think you're fine. But it's speculative. I need to go to Hayden in New York. Hayden! How's it going, Jim? How are you? I am doing okay. How about you? Not too bad. Happy Friday, Jim. Yeah, looking forward to going to San Francisco for a great week of shows. What's happening? Oh, that sounds amazing. Atara Bio, Jim. I'm, I'm a big biotech guy. Well, okay, um, and you know that they may have something for MS, which is therefore fabulous, but I never like to give people false hope. That's all I can say. All right, let's go to Mitchell in New York. Mitchell! Booyah, Mr. Kramer. Booyah. I'm a senior from the College of Staten Island, New York, and I've been watching your show since high school. I've learned more from you than half of my college oh, career. thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I wanted to know your opinion on Ameren, symbol A-M-R-N. Well, you know, I used to like the stock. It is a real speculative stock. They've got a, you know, I mean, I'm talking about a real speculative stock. As long as you're willing to recognize that you could lose what you invested in that one, I'm okay with it. Let's go to Chris in California. Chris! Hello, Mr. Kramer. I love your show. Oh, My thank you. T-W-L-O. All right, I now this it. is a very controversial story because they screwed up a couple of quarters and then they've come back. This is Jeff Lawson. I think he's a terrific guy. They lost a customer. They had a customer come back and now their business is booming. So what can I say? I think it's a good situation, but they were volatile, but it's good now. John in Florida. John. 
Yeah, hi, Jim. John Kay in Dunedin, Florida. Oh, how are you, John? Good to have you on the show again. It's always a pleasure speaking with you, Jim. Uh, Jim, it's been flat for a while. Uh, what do you think of uh, Dynavax, DZ? Oh, man. But, yeah, but we nailed that when it was much lower. I don't think, John, that I can commit to it all the way up here. But we did get that. And thank you for calling again. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Hey, Jimbo. Man, I got two uh, questions. Hey, Jim, always grateful to catch up. Newsflash, the sky is not falling. I talk about you all the time. My boyfriend wants to know, who is this Jimmy guy? We renamed our dogs Amazon Prime and Boeing. <laughs> yeah, you got a couple smart dogs there. But this is he's... the departure of Gary Cohn. That's like the Cleveland Browns of the oil of the uh, pipeline business. I sleep in my Eagles pajamas. That's what's happening. A little more information you need there. Flap attacks on bourbon. Nice catch. I like the setup, so I'm doing it. Sorry, not sorry. I come in here and take your phone calls because I'm always striving to make this the most interactive show on television. But every now and then I get stumped by a stock I'm just not familiar with or haven't been keeping tabs on. A lot of times it's the latter where I know the company, but you know, it's a biotech company that might have something new. I just can't say it's fine. Whenever that happens, you know what I do? I do my homework. Then I try to get back to you as soon as possible. So on January 4th, Bob in Texas called about BGC Partners, BGCP. And I said I'd circle back to him. I remember when it came public, but it's the brokerage firm that was spun off from Cantor Fitzgerald back in, 20, in 2004. But now, like many other financials, BGCP stock took off like a rocket uh, after Donald Trump won election in 2016. On election night, it closed at $8.80. 13 months later, 17 But that's when BGCP started running into trouble. Back in December, the company spun off its real estate services business called Newmark Group, gigantic company. There was very little appetite for the IPO, though. BGCP tried to sell 30 million shares at $19 to $22. Instead, they ended up selling just 20 million shares at 14 And since then, Newmark hasn't been able to get much traction. So what's the issue? Well, BGCP still owns 85% of this business, and it's worth a lot less than they thought. And that's what has been holding the stock back since December, in my opinion. So where do I come down? Look, whether or not the Newmark spinoff was a good idea, the fact is that it's now become an albatross around BGCP's neck. If you want to play the market's newfound volatility by owning a brokerage house, hey, you know what? Go buy the stock of Goldman Sachs. It's a lot less risky. Next up, on January 9th, Jeff in California asked me about electroscientific industries. E-S-I-O. I said I had to get back to him. Electroscientific is a small cap tech stock, but it's not some baby-faced, newly minted company. In fact, it was founded way back in 1944. So what does electroscientific do? These guys are part of the semiconductor manufacturing food chain. Simply, the company's all about laser-based microfabrication. In short, electroscientific's lasers help other companies manufacture all sorts of chips. Semiconductors are so tiny these days that you need ultra-small, ultra-precise ways of manufacturing them, and lasers are one of the best ways to do it. Now, electroscientific stock really caught fire last year, and with good reason. Like we've been hearing from nearly everyone else in the industry, the semiconductor business is booming, 
and that inevitably flows to the suppliers of machines used to make semiconductors. Coming into the new year, the stock was roaring thanks to a series of strong quarters. But when Electroscientific reported on January 31st, the stock sold off in the reason. Even though the results were solid, the guidance was only okay. Some people thought it was a bit light. These weren't really bad numbers, but investors had gotten used to blowout numbers. So the stock ended up being crushed under the weight of great expectations, a feeling that should be familiar to anyone who had to read great expectations in high school. All told, Electroscientific lost 30% of its value over the next couple of weeks. And while a lot of that also had to do with the market-wide sell-off, it was still pretty darn brutal. So could Electroscientific be worth buying down here? This stock is now in the opposition of being down nearly 30% from its highs, yet it's still up nearly 200% over the past 12 months. My view, look, you know I'm a big believer in the semiconductor capital equipment place. But this one, it just seems unnecessarily risky to me. What can I say? There are safer ways to make money. If you want a semiconductor equipment play, may I suggest you go with Kramer Phase, Applied Materials, or Lamb Research. I know they're up a lot. If they come down, it'll be really super. I just have to, you have to ask yourself, why make things harder than they have to be? So stick with cream. Look, there are a lot of rumors swirling around tonight about what Broadcom might be doing, about what Intel might be doing. Let me give you my take, okay? I like Intel on fundamentals. It's an inexpensive stock. It is worth buying. I like Broadcom on the fundamentals. They already pre-announced a very good quarter. We're going to get the reporter Thursday. You do not buy that stock because of a takeover. You buy it because you think it's got a lot of good intellectual property. As far as Qualcomm, that's the hardest of all to value. Why? Because they seem so determined to stay independent that it's almost as if they're scorching their own earth. All that said, if they can do $7, which is what they're telling me, then it's not a bad stock to buy. Like I said, there's always a market summary. I promise I'll find it just for you right here at Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you from San Francisco on Monday. 1980s New York. Five titans redefined the American dream. Helmsley, Bosky, Gotti, Trump, Giuliani. Greed was good, and they wanted it all. Empires of New York, narrated by Paul Giamatti. Series premiere November 29th at 8 Eastern, only on CNBC-TV.